Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Hey, last week we looked at Colossians 1 and 2, which is half the book, okay? It's four chapters in, the, in that little letter he wrote, and we looked at the first two, and in that we found just the foundation of, you know, of, of, of what he's, he's writing to the churches, but also we saw many echoes of a larger biblical theme going on. So we're just going to get into it this morning. I want to just do a really quick review and then and get on to Colossians 3 and a little bit of chapter 4. So we're going to cram it in here. Um, well, last week we'd said that, that, that Paul opened up the letter, and when he did, he was saying, like, hey, good news for Christians— God has pulled us out from the domain of darkness and put us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Other phrases that He uses is, we were dead, but with Christ He made us alive. And and we see how that's a biblical theme, that all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, He would bring us from the land of slavery and put us into the promised land. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to bring you from sin and He wants to restore you. He wants to make you renew, renew you and, and bring you in to a life with the Spirit and, and live like Christ. And so this is what he's writing about. And he's helping believers understand the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That it's the one that raises bones and brings to life. That it's the one that raised Christ up from the, the, the dead, the uh, resurrection. That, that Spirit is in us. And so it's not just we want to be forgiven of sins, but we want to be forgiven. We want to be rescued and with the Spirit now, we can be renewed. That's the entire gospel. That, that there, there's more, that there's renewing happening. And so Paul, Paul was making that clear. And when he does, he lays out now in chapter 3 a very practical way of what that's going to mean for us to develop what it means to live like in a holy manner. What, what does it mean to live in step with the Spirit? And Paul is doing what the Bible does. That God has always laid out, a pres- prescribed a way. You probably should live like this. Live like this. Don't live like this. That, that's what God has always done. Jesus, when he came in the flesh, that's what he did. He preached and Jesus said, this is the way you should live. This is how people will know that you bear the fruit of the kingdom of heaven. You, you live like this. So Paul is writing these letters. He's just continuing the story, okay? He's just continuing the words of God. If you call yourself a Christian, if you follow Christ, here's some ways that it gets practical. This is what you should be doing. And, and he lays it out there for us. And so we'll see a formation process today in what we're reading. It, it's, it's clear. He starts in the inner core of you and he works his way out to the public life. And so somewhere on that line, you're going to be able to circle and think to yourself, that's where God's got me right now. That, that's where I need to work. That's where God is wanting to renew me, but yet I'm, I'm, I'm the problem. And, and, and how is that going to work out? So hopefully you'll be able to find your way uh, through that today as we, we dive in. So in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ. So Paul's already set the, the, the notion that, hey, you are alive with Christ you are rooted in Christ, you're built up in Christ, and you're strengthened in Christ, and you bear fruit in Christ. He's already told us this. And now he's saying, so if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So two quick things for your spiritual life, following Jesus. 
One, do you approach your day? Do you understand that you are raised with Christ? Because that is foundational to how you view yourself and how you're going to filter what happens in life. I am raised with Christ. Christ has raised me. Like, live in that. That There is power in that. Is that how you set the tone of your mind? And then it says, seek things that are above. You are going to be seeking something. And Paul's saying, here's the deal. You have an option here. I'm telling you, seek things that are above in the kingdom of God. This was huge with Paul. Paul in other letters, to keep the biblical theme going, like in Philippians, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true and honorable and just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned, again, it's all about knowledge. Paul is huge on what are you learning. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Put it into action. So there's the dual combo always in the gospel. Learn, grow in knowledge, act, be it. Learn it, do it, always together, inseparable. So he's saying, what you've learned, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now this is huge. That, that means I can focus on things that are above Christ, where he's seated at the right hand of God. And the God of peace will be with me as I focus my eyes on that. Or it says, don't focus on things of earth because I could focus on things of earth. And so there's the problem. Because earthly things, when you focus on the earth, it's always going to attract your flesh. And when you live by the flesh, it leads to death. Death in all areas. Your relationships, your spiritual life, how you relate with others, your your passion, your desire to live. It's death. Things of the flesh lead to death. And so if you focus on earthly things, it's just that attraction and it's going to pull you down. However, if you focus on things that are above, that attracts the Spirit in you. Well, if you live in step with the Spirit, the Spirit gives life. So you've got the flesh which leads to death. You've got the Spirit which leads to life. It is so easy said. It's hard to do that sometimes, to live according to that knowledge and that truth. But that's what God wants. He's saying, this is the way. And so Paul's huge in writing on this. Set your mind on things above. Because when you do that, it it produces life instead of death, sin, and darkness. And so in chapter uh, 3, verse 3, he continues with this. And he says, for you have died. Like your flesh is dead. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, again, just... If you weren't here last week, that's fine. Just go back and look in Colossians sometimes and circle all the times it's talking about in Christ or Christ with you. That's what Paul is stressing here. And that is what I'm hoping that you guys grab a little bit more of is this truth because that is foundational to living a life that is renewed. If we don't have this knowledge, we don't know it exists. We don't know the story of God. And so our lives never get to where they should be, living in step with the Spirit and and enjoying and doing life with God. And so so he's saying, 
You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ. He's already told us Christ is the hope of glory and it's in you. He's already told us that you need to be rooted in Christ, that he will build you up, that you can be built up in Christ, that you can be strengthened in Christ. Now he's saying, fix your eyes on Christ. And now he's saying, your life is hid with Christ. That's the gift of God. Like like Christ literally is in you, around you, above you, below you. He really is all around. But do our lives reflect that? Are we aware and do we even take moments to understand I've been raised with Christ and Christ is with me. Christ is in me. Christ is before me. Like there is a way to live. Here's the thing. You're thinking about something, okay? You can't just write this off as something like you're a super Christian or a Jesus freak if you're thinking about this. No, that's the heart of the gospel. That's why Paul's writing this. He's saying Understand what you've been given. You've been rescued. Like, get over that now. And and let's move on. Let's renew you and and enjoy this life that I'm wanting to make in you. And so Paul's huge in this. And and that's why he's just adamant in making sure we understand that we're rooted and we're hidden in Christ. So now how? How? Does Paul, how does Paul teach us that the next several verses are going to show us and teach us that Christ wants to rid evil. He actually wants to rid evil from our life and in the world. He wants to get rid of it. And he wants to cultivate Christian virtues, Christian way of living. So how do we do that? Well, in 3.5, it says we have to put to death. That's an imperative. That's a demand. Like that's command like put to death put to death therefore what is earthly in you there it is again because the earth man is always going to lead you astray therefore put to death what is earthly in you and here they are sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which all those is idolatry okay And it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming, which is at the very beginning of the Bible, right? God clearly said, have all this, don't do this. Eve, Adam, idolatry. I want to worship me. I want to do what I want to do. Somehow we reduce the gospel to thinking that we can do what we want to do. And and so they did it. And now the wrath of God has to come because of that. The wrath of God has to come because of idolatry. Don't have any idols. It's a commandment, right, from before God. Don't have any other idols. Yet, anytime you and I are not careful to be focusing our minds on things that are above, we're going to be drawn to this earth. And in the earth, all systems point to idolatry. Do what you want to do. It's all going to be okay. Just do what you want to do. And so then we, we, we sin, because we commit idolatry, because we do what we want to do. And it plays out in different ways. It plays out in sexual immorality. It plays out in impurity. It plays out in uh, evil desires and covetousness. It, and there's many more that it, that it plays out that Paul writes in, in other letters. But this is idolatry, and this is why the wrath of God is coming. And so he's saying, you've got to put to death these things. Now, 
in light of what Christ has done for you, that should be a passionate thing in you. I do want to put that to death. I do want to be rid of that. And and Paul continues. He says, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. As if, hey guys, that's why I like cross saying we're we're always going to welcome sinners. Because we know, hey, we've all walked in these ways. There's no judgment, okay? We've all walked in these ways. We've all done it. And that's what Paul's saying. He's got chains. He's got a past. But he's saying, you know, in these you two once walked just like me when you were living in them. But now, okay, now you must put them away. You must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing, here's the key phrases, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is important, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator, in the image of its creator. Now, quite a few things to unpack here real fast. Um, and we're on Colossians 3, 7, 10. Uh, it says, And these two once walked when you were living in them, but you must put them away. Now, when we think about um, the Bible and, and we get imperatives like this and we get commands and uh, do this, do that. You know, it just always rubs me wrong, you know, when, when that gets mis, mistranslated among conversations. And, and that's how the church gets um, its reputation is, man, it's just a bunch of, of rules. And it, to me, it's just like, man, that's, that's such a, just an elemental view of, of, of what rules are. Because, I mean, rules are a good thing. Like, when I take the boys downstairs in my basement to have an all-out Nerf gun war, we... And we've got enough kids that we can just break up into teams and go at it, which is really cool. We've got snowballs. and It's, it, it's a war, right? Snowballs, Nerf guns. But when we do that, if you just set a tape recorder in there and didn't watch or didn't, you know, and just, just listened, you would hear a ton of commands come out of my mouth. Hey, we, we can't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Make sure you don't do that. That's not a good idea to go over there. No, you can't dive behind there. Da, da, da. Laying out the rules, okay? So you literally could say, Dude, just let the kids play. Why are you giving so many rules? Or you could just hang on for a couple seconds longer, look a little deeper, and understand, whoa, what did all those rules give us? All those rules gave us an incredible space to have optimal fun, to have optimal safety, to have optimal enjoyment of relationship. Like, that's what boundaries, healthy boundaries do. They create a space to thrive to thrive in relationship. So God's simply saying what he's always done. He's always prescribed ways of living. He's always saying, guys, don't do this. Like, like get rid of this. D- don't do this anymore. Why? So you and I, our relationship can thrive. It, it, it can be optimal. That, like, get that away. So that's what's going on here. And Paul is writing this, and he just, he's just echoing the words of Jesus and what the God has always been about. And then it goes on to say that you'd put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. And then it says, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Right there in the bottom of verse 10. Guys, this is, again, is so important to understand. Listen, listen. The Bible is clear. What happens is you were of the earth. You were of sin. God has rescued you. He wants to renew you. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to renew your mind. 
How? He's going to renew your mind after just like the creator. So when you see or hear people talk about the mind of Christ, yeah, that's a gift that, that God wants to give us. The more we focus on things that are above and live in step with the Spirit, God is renewing our minds into the mind of Christ so that we can become what He wants us to be. It, that is a gift. That is grace. That is overwhelming being poured out grace upon is that He actually gives you the gift to become like Christ the Son and the power to live in a way that would actually radiate His kingdom. I don't deserve to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God, but I can't stay in that thought. The scripture is clear. That's how God thinks of me. You're my son. I've rescued you. Spirit of Christ is in you. No, you are my ambassador. So, like, kind of get over yourself and enjoy life, man, because I want to bless you. I want you to live in this realm that I'm creating for you. Make these decisions and be the light of the world. Bring salt to a world that just tastes absolutely bland. Be light in darkness. Like, you are my ambassador. You will have the mind of my son, Jesus Christ. That, that's what God is doing. He's bringing you out so that he can make you into what he wants. And so Paul continues. And, and to go on with that, like being renewed in knowledge, he says, so put on then. Again, another option. You, you don't have to do this. But, but Paul, the Bible, God strongly encourages, put on this. Now that you've created space, you know you've been rescued. Now we're trying to kill all the evil. Now we're going to put on this. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Again, stop guys. Listen and look. God's chosen, holy, and beloved. If I asked you to write three words down today as you came in and said, man, this is how God views me. Like, this is what I think how God views me. I highly doubt you guys would write down holy, dearly loved, and chosen. But that's how Paul knows that that's how God views us. You're holy, man. You're the saints. You are in the kingdom of light. They're sinners and they're saints. You're in the kingdom of light. You are holy. You're beloved. You're a royal priesthood. And he's wanting us to act like it. And he's giving us the power and the gift to do that. But I think all too often we, we don't connect those dots that are so clear. We just kind of leave it as forgiven and just kind of trumping you know, just chomping through earth, just trying to survive instead of thriving. It's a, just a common tale that's just tragic in the life of a Christian. It's just uncalled for. Um, and so, so, we, um, so he's put on, so he's telling us what to put on. Now he tells us compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another... Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, putting on love means put on Christ. Because God is love, right? God is love. Put on love. Another reference of put on Christ. 
So now that he's saying, he, he's told you, man, I've rescued you guys. You guys are rescued. Hey, you be rooted in Christ. And so if you're going to be rooted in Christ, this is how you're going to grow. You're, you're going to quit doing evil things. Like, be done with it. it. It's the very chains that I rescued you from. Well, why would you go back to it? Like, don't do that. Put it to death. But guys, like, in all seriousness, time out here. But that's where some of us are, right? We, we keep getting wrapped up with, with, with old sins, with old habits. And, and what does it create? It, it creates messes, right? It, nasty messes. Because that's what sin does. That, that's what life outside of the will of God does. And, 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 and we here want to help you. We, we want to serve you. We, we want you to get back out of that and, and move on and, and become more like Christ. And, and so that's why the scripture is important. It's important about where your mind is focused because your life will ultimately reveal that. Okay, so now he is saying, um, he, described how, he described what you put on, okay? So take this off, put this on, and now in verse 315, he says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So now, again, he's saying that the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and that the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, guys, if you're circling all this in Colossians, He is saying what the kingdom of God is about is Christ is all over you. You just got to accept it and live it. He's what you're rooted in. He's what you're being built up in. You're being strengthened in it. Paul told us to be hidden in Christ. Paul says, now that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that the peace of Christ be in you. It's all Christ everywhere. So when we say Christ is enough, we are saying an actual foundational principle that is true. Christ is enough. He's everything that we need. Okay, now, so when he says that in verse 15 and 16, then he follows it up with 317. He says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So now verse 17 kind of takes us back to the beginning of the chapter where it is said, set your things on those that are above. Okay? Because now it's saying, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him. So now we just said, we're covered in Christ, but everything we do should be through the lens of thinking about Christ. So we should be doing it for Christ. And so it brings it back to just saying, yes, this is why it's so important that you're setting your mind on things above. God is longing, longing to transform you. I mean, it is a gift. He, he wants to make you into the likeness um, of his son. So in chapter three, seventeen, when he says, whatever you do, do it in word or deed, do it all for the name of Jesus. He's, he's just clarifying again that life in the spirit will lead to life, and life in the flesh will lead to death. 
Um, and, and, and how does that, how does that look? Well, what's interesting is God has said, or Paul has written, what's going on? It's our God is supreme. He's rescued us. Take this stuff off. This, this is bad. Like, get rid of this. Put on this stuff. Now, let the peace of Christ rule in you deeply. And now, let everything you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Okay, well, how do we hit the rubber, hit the road now? Like, what's next? Now we've taken care of our personal core. What's next? And the very next thing he says, says your home life. Now we've got to come into your home. So, so Paul, in chains, writing, man, this is who God is. This is Christ. He's awesome. He is awesome. This is what he's given you. This is the gift he's given you. Live like this. Now, as you start to manifest that in your life, as you start to unpack that and what that looks like, oh, first place, home. In your home. We, we got to clean up stuff in the home. Um, foundational. This, this is... This is just huge. So he writes, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. And then he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And he says, Fathers, you know, or parents, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, in Colossians, we said that when he wrote Colossians, it was the same time he wrote Ephesians. And, and, and it's okay to always look at the biblical theme of what's going on. And in Ephesians, when he wrote this excerpt about the house, he, he expanded it a little longer. And, and he, he, he used words that said, um, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Okay, so Colossians, we're talking about like being submissive. And in Ephesians, we're saying respect. You know, Colossians, he's saying, husbands, don't be harsh with your wives. Ephesians saying, you've got to love them like Christ loved the church. So then Paul attaches marriage to the illustration and to the mystery of Christ and the church. Now this is, this is huge in our world of trying to display Christ to the world. Christ God has established marriage as a prime example to illustrate the kingdom of God. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, he made them in their image. He created community, a husband and wife, to complement each other, right? To live together. And but God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, our God is a community God. So it makes sense to say now we are in the made in the image of that because now there's there's two of us, yet marriage makes us one. So we've got the Trinity becoming one. We've got marriage coming one. We, we reflect what the kingdom is. God highly, highly values marriage. At the end of the Bible, it talks about Christ coming back and being united with his bride, the church, right? So then Christ and the bride are married forever in eternity. Now, this is where it stings a little bit. This is where it hurts a little bit. But this is where it's, it, it's truth. The way our marriages function adds glory to the kingdom of God or, or it dents um, what God is trying to reveal about the kingdom of God. So, husbands and wives, first of all, it just starts out with like love and respect, right? Um, it's a good book called Love and Respect. But... 
if the ladies aren't respecting the men, it makes it hard for the men to love the wives. But it's hard. It, but if, if we're not loving the women right, it, it's hard for them to respect us right. So, so you've got this energy, right? The, the more I love my wife, the more she respects me, we, we've got great energy. Because in Ephesians, that's what he boils it down to, that men, we, we need respect. Ladies, you, you need love. Well, so the way that works is now we've got this energy. Well, all of a sudden something happens in our marriage, right? And it, it stops, you know, argument, whatever, disagreement. And there can be a seed that gets tossed in there of just uh, frustration. And if, it, if it's not addressed, like, a Christian marriage, like, like if you're not practicing, if you're not, if you're focused not on heavenly things and you just let that go, then, then it just starts to, it starts to blossom, right? And, and it grows into um, frustration and frustration just starts to develop into resentment and then you just kind of resent each other. But yet you have enough history together, you have kids together that a common tell is now you just start to cope with each other. Like you just, so you don't have this any going on. Now you're just in straight survival mode. And, and so then you're just surviving. And, and that's the picture of marriage. And, and that's the picture that gets displayed as the kingdom aspect of marriage. So then what happens is now years go by. Now this huge cobweb of all kinds of dysfunction and problems. And becomes such a massive tree that then you just... You just break. You, you just say, we've we got to get a divorce. There, there's no fixing this. Now, here's the deal, deal guys. Uh, um, divorce is common. I mean, really common, right? And so that, that tale, that, that story happens time and time and time again. So while that, those things need addressed, the, the point here in Colossians, and I think what we're, what we're trying to get at is before that happens is, we have such a low, weak understanding of what Christ in us means that, that we don't even have the opportunity to enter into a marriage knowing what it means to be live, for, for, for me to live as Christ, that Christ is living. So our marriages are just always kind of starting off weak because we don't even have the formation within ourselves individually to enter into that. Well, so that creates massive problems. Here's why it's a problem. Here's why it's a problem. Because God used marriage to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. So, so when God says, oh, yeah, husband and wife, you guys are going to leave each other or leave your families and be united in Genesis, that's the God way of doing things. You're going to be united. And, and, so now I can tell my people, they understand marriage. Hey, guys, when I come back and take you forever, we're, we're solid. Me and you're my bride, we're going to live together for eternity. It's solid. It, it's the kingdom of heaven. It, it, it's the display of what God is revealing to us. Therefore, every time we start to enter into these divorce conversations, again, we, we're destroying the image of what the kingdom of heaven's like. So now that marriage becomes such just a cheap word, wait, wait, wait. Now I'm trying to say, oh, the marriage of Christ and the bride, and it just loses 
power. And then we don't live in that because it's a weak, it, it's weakened. The, the whole view of it's weakened. This is powerful stuff. So God, Paul knows this. And he says, your family life matters. Like, like it, it really matters. And this is where I want, with all my heart, guys, the world, it's tough. It's hard. It's not easy. But this is where if we're not fixing our minds on Christ, we enter into massive problems far beyond our own selves. It's destroying the view of what God is wanting to display. And so when he says, guys, love your wives like the church, like Christ loved the church, guys, I know that's a huge grading scale, but is that what you're doing? Are, are you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? That's a hard thing. Uh, we've got some friends and we're working through a book at our home and uh, one of the quotes of, out of last week was, uh, is just said like, you know, just like the wife would never imagine Jesus lying to her, so she should never imagine that you would lie to her. Because that's not what Christ treats the church like. Now guys, again, again, this is messy stuff because w- we live in a world where it's so easy to fall into flesh which leads to death. It's so hard to just keep your mind on the Spirit and live in the Spirit. But that's what, that's what Paul's urging here. Oh, you, you got to be rooted. Now, hey, your home life. Guys, make sure you're loving your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, make sure you're respecting your husbands. Don't badmouth him. Don't take an axe out and chop his legs off when, the way you nag and disrespect him. Like, don't do that. Like, stop it. Well, he's not respectable. Maybe the only way he's going to be respectable is when you start respecting him. You're going to respect him into a respectable position. Guys, if she's not lovable right now, Christ loved us while we were sinners. Christ loved us right in the middle of our sin. Guys, you've got to love her into a place where she is lovable. It, the kingdom of God wants us to be an ambassador for him and show that there is a distinct difference in the life of a believer and in the life of a non-believer. That there's fruit over here that's not even close to being seen over here. A little bit moral, what is that? No, it's just not in there. Life transformation, renewed. That is the important thing that we're going for here. Now, after he talks about that, then he talks about children. And, um, you know, guys, there is a way that we honor God with parenting. And there's a way we don't honor God with parenting. It, if, if, again, God the Father, hey, family life, cool. This will display how I'm an everlasting loving father. So, guys, when you're not slow to anger, when you're not rich in love with your kids, it's denting the image of God again. Again, I get it. I get it. It's hard sometimes because tired and fatigue always lead you to do things you never thought you'd do as a dad. Um, punishing or your, your, your tone with them. I get it. But, but he's saying, you got to watch this. How you are raising your kids affects a world that's, that's lost. So where are they going to look to see a life that follows God? Man, 
they're drawn to your family. Not, this isn't arrogance or this isn't like, look at you or whatever. No, 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 no. It's just, that's, that's the fruit. Like, if you live like that, you're going to have fruit. And that fruit will be displayed for the world to see. That, that's what it means. So next thing, it, it's, it's husbands love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. And, and, and parents, uh, yeah, treat your kids like Christ would treat you, like your Father in heaven would treat you. And then he moves from that and he goes into this, this workplace. He says, okay, we, we, we're working on your core. Now we're going to work on your marriage and your family life. Okay, now the next step is your work, the workplace, like, like where you work. And, and he's talking about um, masters and servants. But basically that, that translates for us is you've got a boss. You need to be working as if you're working for the Lord. You, you don't want to just be an eye service for your boss. You don't, you don't want to just be working good when the boss is around. He's saying, no, you always work as if you're working for Christ. Set your mind on things above. And he's also saying, hey, masters, don't forget, you have a master in heaven. So you guys with power or whatever, you know, in your jobs, like how you're treating employees, like just remember, you're supposed to be doing it as if you're doing it for God. And remember, God is your master. And, and, and so he just, he touches into the workplace. Now, how does this hit home? Colossians, it's a letter written, and he's addressing these needs. They've got to be foundational of who Christ is. He's supreme, and that's who we get to take life into. But then this is how he wants to change you, and now this is how he wants to change in your home life. And this is how he wants to change you in working. And this is just how he wants to change you all, all in your whole life. That's what God wants for each and every one of you. But here's the deal. Sin will always be messy. And sin is always related to things of the flesh. So guys, hear this. Be encouraged. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So you have issues. You've, you've got junk. You, you, you've been doing things that you know better than to do it. Listen, the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, they pull you close. And when they pull you close, it's not to just smack the trash out of you for like, what were you thinking? It's to pull you close and say, man, my grace is so sufficient for you. I love you and it's okay. It's okay. I rescue situations like this. But listen to me. Just listen to me. Now, I think he just grabs pretty tight. Get your nose to nose almost. He says, but follow me. Do it this way. I want to renew you so that you have a life you did not even think was possible. The only way it gets good from here is for you to be humble enough to say, here's my issue. I've got anger. Here's my issue. I'm really harsh with my kids. Here's my issue. I have taken my wife for granted and I do not cherish her like Christ cherishes the church whatsoever. I've been taking advantage of people at work. Somewhere along the line, there is dysfunction. The good news for us Christians are Christ is pulling you in and saying, it's okay, grace can do it. Let's go through a process that makes you even better than you can imagine when we come out of it because I can renew you and and you can actually live according to the Spirit and be amazed by it. So Paul says this in Acts, 
when he was talking to some people about what they worship, he just quickly said, hey guys, if you just reached out your hand, you could pretty much hang on to God. And that, that's where some of us are. Like we need God. And the good news is, is like Paul used the illustration like, well, he is so close that if you just kind of reach out, you'll be able to grab him. Because in him, Paul says in Acts, we, we live, we move, and we have our being. Christ is all around us, people. So it's not like I'm all, I'm all alone. I'm all alone in my sin. No, 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 no. I'm covered with Christ. And now I want to acknowledge it. I want to say, I've got these issues. Christ is right there. You reach on to him. When Paul said that, he was actually just echoing what Deuteronomy said. And I love how Deuteronomy writes it uh, or, or pens it. it. It says it like this. For the commandment that I command to you today, it, it's not too hard for you. It, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? The command is, it, neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? No, but the word of the Lord, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. Just foundational. You've got to understand that Christ is in you. Christ is with you. And you have the ability to be rooted in him. That Paul is pleading. Understand this gift. He's rescued you so that he can renew you. So that you guys can actually be different than non-Christians. And there can be salt and light in this world. So for you guys, ladies, all of us, here's what we need to just do. We just need to have some moments where we can just reflect and just say, hey, I want to be better. I I want this to matter. So God, reveal to me my sin. Reveal to me and let it hurt. And, And let me get rid of it. That way I can take a hold of the life your hands are making for me and I can live it. And then we can, we can boldly approach the throne of grace because we know, we know, nail-scarred hands are pulling you close and telling you, it's okay, follow me. Some of us just need to make that commitment, need to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. No, I mean like, I have decided to follow Jesus. The world, the earth, gone behind me. Cross before me, I have decided Christ is enough.